Good evening, family. How are you doing? Decided to change the music up a little bit tonight. And I found this song from like the 70s and I haven't heard it in forever and found that awesome remix. I love listening to old music. Not a big fan of disco, but I do love that remix. Just some challenge going around social media right now for a, a dance off to this song to some choreography that some girl did. And uh, it's amazing some of the talented dancers out there. I'll tell you, that's one of those things that really impresses me, especially because I have zero rhythm. That's right, guys. I can't dance. We are in Kilted Christian, episode 529. We've called this one Demons, the Fever, and the King's Word. So we'll be getting into that tonight after a little bit of uh, news. we got a good bit of news to go over first, and then we'll get into that topic. So once again, Kilted Christian, episode 529, Demons, the Fever, and the King's Word. Let's get to it. We are many nations around the world, comprised of many cultures, but we stand together in a battle between good and evil. We're the seekers of wisdom the bringers of truth, the hands of heaven, and the voices of reason. As the world tries to divide us by our differences, we only grow stronger as we are bound together as the children of God. All right, and for those of you that did not get a chance to say hello to in the opening, glad you were here. God bless you. Do Sprinklers, how are you doing? Tammy, I love you. Great to see you as well. And all the rest of you are just popping in here. God bless you all. I hope you had an absolutely beautiful day. 
Got a lot of rain today, but the temperatures um, rise. As a matter of fact, we got like one little tiny, like couple of square inch patches snow, and that's about all we have left. We got about two weeks um, in the fifties and above, so uh, that's going to be pretty nice. Looking forward to that. But we got another week of rain first. Yeah, I don't know what the it was. Um, that that song, uh, Ed, was like some discoy thing from the seventies by a band called a. Uh, Boney M. Never heard of him before, but I recognized the song. The song's called Rasputin. So it was about a holy man over in uh, over in Russia that was a mystic at one time and ended up following um, the way or finding uh, Christianity and kind of becoming a, a monk over there. So that's what that song was about. Yeah, Bob, I'm not a big fan of disco. Um, I think that I'm more into the whole dancing competition that's going on with this song that makes it look pretty cool. But like I said, I am always really impressed by people that can dance. Like I said, mainly because I can't. But I uh, hope y'all had an absolutely great day. The world's getting nuttier and nuttier, guys. Even more nuttier than what we talked about last night. Um, we're getting, looks like we're getting closer and closer to a civil war. Um, and I'll get into that here in a little bit. So uh, first off, I um, want to give a, a big thanks to... Uh, uh, Jay, well, I don't know if you're in here or not, but gave me some uh, throwing axes and some throwing knives. So Moon Wolf and I are going to be getting out um, into the yard this week. Once it stops raining, we're going to make some uh, little log targets so that we can get really, really, really good at throwing knives and throwing axes. So it's going to be pretty sweet. Um, and Matt and Hev, come on, you guys got to come over here and, and do some uh, knife and axe throwing so we can get really good because we've got to get good at throwing knives at commies because it looks like that day is coming up. Bob, yeah, Revolutionary War is what it's going to end up being. And matter of fact, before I even get into that, I'm going to kind of go along with what Bob just said real quick. Actually, before I even do that, guys, let's do uh, some quick little prayers. We had some uh, people that are in need of prayers today. So everybody, please bow your head for a quick little uh, prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you again for another day. Thank you for all the blessings that you've given us. We've got more people that are just in, in need of anything that you give them, your assistance, your comfort, your your healing hand. Just lay that upon them. First off, uh, We've got Dog Mom who's got a boss who is ill with cancer, and I ask, Father, that you just be with everyone that's going through that um, with them and the person who's actually going to the cancer. Heaven, Lord, just lay your hand on them and please heal them. Please be with uh, please be with uh, our friend uh, who is got a possible calling from God to uh, head on over to Kenya and do some uh, ministry work or something. Not quite sure if, if he, that's what he wants to do or not, but he's at least listening to the call. So I ask Father that you just give the answer, give him the answers, all the answers that he needs so he can make the right decision, um, whether it be staying here and continue what he's doing or carrying that ministry over on into Kenya. So I thank you, Father. I also ask finally, Father, that you just be with our brother Bob who's here um, and anyone who's going through the same thing. Um, losing children is not the easiest thing in this world, one of the hardest things we can go through. And then we get reminded every time a new anniversary, a birthday, a holiday or something comes up, Father. So I just ask that you lay your hand on Bob, help him through these difficult times. Anyone who's going through something similar, just let Bob know that he is loved more than he'll ever know. We all love him. We are all here for him. And Father, just thank you for the unity that you provided by bringing this family together for this purpose and for many others. We love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus Christ's name and our Heavenly Father's name we pray. Amen. Yeah, where's more and more, I tell you, I just, I'm hearing more and more about the cancers and, and, you know, and I, for one, um, I've, I've lost, um, some friends, I've lost people that were close to me and it's always a difficult one, but I've never lost, uh, someone like Bob and, and some of the other people, Bob's not the only one here that is going through something similar and it is a very tough time. So guys, just 
just let Bob, Bob's in here tonight. Just let Bob know how much you love him. Um, let him know that you're an ear. If you ever need someone to talk to Bob, I am here for you always. You know, I love you, brother. I'm here a hundred percent. And, uh, like I said, just if you're getting down, if you're getting sad, reach out to any one of us and we will do our best to bring you back up. Like I said, God has put us all in each other's lives for so many reasons. And this is just one of them. So Bob, I love you. We all love you. God bless you. And we are always, always here for you. So, all right. So let's get into a little bit of, of news. A um, little bit of news here. So uh, we've got, um, yeah, and I'll do so. Um, I've got Tammy's number and trust me, Bob, Tammy is, <laughs> I have nothing but awesome and amazing, wonderful things to say about that sweet sister, Tammy. She is uh, definitely one that her and Little Red, they, they both got um, very calm souls, very good ears. They're prayer warriors like crazy, and they always have a way of just making you feel better. So I'll, I will pass on um, Tammy's number to you. So if you ever want to reach out to her, trust me. Like I said, we've got a handful of people in here, which are just absolutely amazing people. And I'm so blessed that I know them and that I can call them family. So. All right, now we'll get into a little bit of news after I get done bragging about all the awesome people we got in here because I love this family. I know I say it every night, but I truly mean it. I think about you guys when we're not on the show. You guys are awesome, amazing, and thank you for everything. So uh, here we go, guys. Fed The feds have blown through 20 billion, B, billion for refugee assistance in just the last two years. So that's $2 billion. Imagine what we could have done with that $2 billion that would have helped Americans out instead of having to bring all of these uh, immigrants into this country. And they'll keep on telling you, man, immigration's good. We need these immigrants in here. Americans don't want to do this. Americans don't want to do that. Well, trust me, Americans are about to get more desperate than we are right now. And Americans will take about any job that you can hand them. So this is the thing is that we... When you get into a situation, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of job you're doing as long as you're doing what's right and take care of your family. God didn't say, I prefer lawyers over grocery shelf stockers. God loves every one of us, and God probably appreciates the grocery shelf stockers a little bit more for doing things that a lot of people find to be beneath them. And they get out there, they do their job to take care of their family, and that's what God wants us to do. And the thing is, we're going to get to a point where many of us are going to be losing jobs, they're going to be shutting businesses down, they're going to be getting rid of people because they can't afford to pay their entire staff. And some of us are going to end up working at Little Caesars or uh, grocery stores or any of that other stuff. But like I said, God wants us to be happy what we do. He wants us to work. He wants to provide for our family. It doesn't matter what you do. Matter of fact, I've got more respect for those that are willing to do things that they feel that are beneath them because let's face it, nothing is beneath us. Anybody goes out and does what they need to. Their family is doing awesome. But then we got to contend with this. You know, we're, we're literally contending or going against other people from other countries. So I'm going to go back to what Bob had said a minute ago. He said, I said civil war. He said revolution. Now, there is a huge difference. Um, obviously, a civil war um, is between the people of their own country that are going hand to hand in battle. A revolution um, kind of goes a little bit beyond that. It's people coming together within a country to protect and salvage what is theirs against possibly another country or a tyrannical government. Um, so here's the thing, this technically, even though they keep saying civil war, civil war, civil war, they keep saying this, the news is even talking about this, but technically this wouldn't be a civil war because we're not, the people that we're going to be battling against aren't necessarily, um, our own countrymen. They're people that are coming from other countries. So this technically would be more of a, of a war, a hot war a revolution than it would be a civil war, but they're pushing for this harder and harder and harder every day. And guys, we may come to a point, matter of fact, Bob and I had this discussion earlier. 
Um, there may be a point where we need to go down and uh, from our other states and help protect our borders. That would be Texas. That would be Arizona. That would be New Mexico and any other state that has a border where people can walk over. And there's going to be a point where they're going to get smart and they're going to start sending people down from from Canada or they're going to ship them up into Canada and have the immigrants come and appear. And I'm sure they already are to some point. The thing is, though, is that this is our country. We're not protecting our state. We're protecting our country. We're protecting one another. So there may be a point where we get a call where we all need to go down or at least those that have the ability to that don't necessarily have families to take care of, children and so forth, to go down and stand by our border. Um, Texas is being put into a situation right now where they've got their National Guard and they're refusing to go against they're refusing to uh, go by what Biden and them are pushing. So Biden went through, sent it to the Supreme Court. They're threatening to sue in order to get Texas to keep on letting these immigrants in. So they're supposed to be doing, our government's supposed to be protecting our state. That is their job. The states can take care of themselves. The federal government's here to make sure, provide safety um, for our borders and so forth to protect these states. Um, they're not only not doing that, but they're actually allowing these people in. So they've gone beyond anything that I ever imagined. It was bad enough that they were letting people in, but now they're actually um, going against people that are trying to do what we have the right to do to keep immigrants from coming into our country, and they're bypassing that. So what is happening right now? Well, the great thing is is um, Oklahoma, or first off, Texas is is refusing to abide by the Biden administration. They are standing their line. They're actually putting more wire up. They're not removing anything. Oklahoma came today and said, we stand by Texas. So now, and, and it's funny too, for, for any, for those of you that live here, that live in Texas, you guys know what I'm talking about. There has always been this like weird little rivalry between Oklahoma and Texas. It, it's, it's kind of those two states always have some weird rivalry, but it's the same thing you have with Georgia and Florida. The thing is though, is these states are coming together for one common cause, and I think that is awesome. So I'd imagine it'll be a point where um, Oklahoma sends in some of their National Guard in order to help uh, Abbott out, and I hope that that happens. But we also told you last night um, exactly what a Biden got caught on a hot mic saying is that if Texas doesn't abide by the laws and the rules that we're trying to give by the Supreme Court ruling, we will send in F-15s. Yes, he will send in F-15s and he will wage war against Texas. So be it. That's what he got caught on a hot mic saying. This is the leader of our country is literally protecting people from other country while threatening a state in our own country. And this is where we're going. This is people are going to be voting for this idiot. It's not going to be many. Like I said, they are they know that they're going to lose this. They're already doing everything they possibly can to cheat, and I'll be talking about a little bit more about that here in a minute once I come up to the articles that I have brought up. So next we got a – this is a juxtapose um, two different articles right here, and it just shows you um, the hypocrisy right here in our own country and how much they hate Americans and what they're really trying to do. Exactly, true patriot, treason, treason, treason. Nineteen families um, buy nearly 97 acres of land in Georgia to create a city safe for black people. So 97 acres were purchased so that they could create their own cities that are safe for black people. And then right next to this, I got another article, and this is actually here in Kentucky. And it says, far-right figures try to create Christian nationalist haven in Kentucky. So two different articles. Both of these things were both written, you know, not too far from one another, or as far as time period goes. And it's they're, they're glorifying a group of colored people that are trying to buy their own land to have a safe place for them, at the same time ridiculing um, Christians as far-right Christian nationalists trying to build a haven in Kentucky. So 
they hate Christians, man. They they will do anything they possibly can. And it's no different. Like literally, it's the same thing. It just happens though, is that one has to fall into the Christian white category and the other one has to fall into the black category. So one's okay, one not okay. Uh next we got a the final goal is to eradicate humanity as we know it. So listen to this this woman right here. She kind of lays it out pretty right on with what's going on with the demasculation of the world and so forth and exactly what they're trying to do. The final goal is to eradicate humanity as we know it. Once you understand the final destination, it becomes much easier to look back and identify the psychological conditioning, the biological tampering, the cultural grooming and the educational prepping that we have been subjected to for decades in preparation to making us accept a post-human future. It takes a lot of physical and psychological abuse to get an intelligent species like ours to agree to its own extinction. Most, if not all, that has transcended in the last 60 years was designed to get us closer to accepting such a dystopian reality. Whether you care to accept it or not, we live in a hyper-controlled matrix where our perception of reality is meticulously planned, managed, and executed in order to control and steer us in whichever direction they wish. And the direction is a post-human world. For this, they first needed to destabilize, dehumanize, and demoralize humanity through every means possible. The destruction of the nuclear family, children being indoctrinated by the state, abortion, the eradication of God and spirituality from education, life in mega cities and away from nature, toxic food, air and water, social media, replacing real human connection and interaction, engineered financial crisis and taxation, endless wars and massive migration, stress, anxiety, depression, drugs and alcohol, constant fear-mongering, moral relativism as the new religion. And I could go on and on about how humanity has been influenced and forced to move away from all the things that give us strength, security, purpose, and meaning. A weak, immoral, disconnected, ignorant, and unhealthy population is an easy target for the next stage the creation of an entire generation of androgynous beings. Masculinity is under attack psychologically, culturally, and biologically. Women are being replaced in sports, entertainment, and politics by men pretending to be women. And children are being indoctrinated at school to think that gender is a choice. The transgender movement is not a grassroots movement. It comes from the top. It has nothing to do with people's freedom of expression, sexuality, or civil rights. It's an evil psyop to, with a clear agenda to get us closer to transhumanism by making us question the most fundamental notion of human identity, our gender. Yeah, she's dead on. She called that out. She she may as she just basically gave you a modern worded version of what the scripture talked about. Um, and everything that scripture's talking about is unfolding right in front of our eyes. And she was dead on everything down to the taxation, down to market crashing, down to transhumanism, trying to get us to to start 
thinking of ourselves and being selfish rather than believing in a God, self-satisfaction. Um, she hit that on the head right there. And uh, this is what we're watching right here. Everything that we're seeing right here as far as the immigration movement, um, the indoctrination in our schools, it's all part of that devil's agenda. And so many people are sleeping. If there were more people that had their heads in Scripture that understood the Bible, this wouldn't even be a question to people. People would see exactly what we're seeing right now, which is why it's important that we help them find that way to Scripture. Let them read the book. Tell them the stories. Just even a couple of the verses of what Christ talked about on, uh, on the Mount of Olives and so forth, understanding that what they were saying then is happening right in front of our eyes right now. Um, this has to be, uh, <laughs> I don't know if this was an accidental article, if they knew what they were writing in this uh, headline or not, but it's probably the funniest headline. So apologies, a little graphic, but this is a zero hedge headline today. It says, Reed Hoffman pulls out of Nikki Haley after New Hampshire pounding. Um, I don't, know, I don't know if I read that differently than it was meant. Um, but that sounds a little bit dirty, but this guy right here was kind of like, a, um, another version of George Soros who was funding a lot of money into the, uh, Nikki Haley, um, funding. And that's no Matt and Hev, that is not the Babylon B. As a matter of fact, when I first saw it, I thought that Zero Hedge brought in a Babylon Bee headline, but it was actually an article that literally the title was Reed Hoffman pulls out of Nikki Haley after New Hampshire pounding. Um, that was pretty, it was Zero Hedge. I, I'm still laughing at that. Um, it's still little things you got to laugh at now with the creepiness, craziness in this world. So next, uh, and this is cool too, so Governor Greg Abbott just released a statement telling Joe Biden that he has violated his oath by allowing an invasion. So James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, and other visionaries who wrote the U.S. Constitution um, foresaw that the state should not be left to the mercy of a lawless president who does nothing to stop external threats like cartels smuggling millions of illegal immigrants across our border. So Greg Abbott wrote this uh, really well-written thing today, basically saying, look, you're breaking your oath of your Constitution we as the state of Texas have the right to defend ourselves. You should be doing it. You should not be doing the opposite by allowing the threat to enter our country. So good for Abbott, good for Oklahoma. Um, that's two states. Like I said, they're, they're trying to get this built up more and more and more. Um, even the feds now are talking about sending FBI and so forth. This is only going to escalate. and It's not going to be pretty. And there's going to be end up being a point. Um, well, we end up going uh, man against man right here in our own country, uh, citizen against uh, military. So then that brings me to the next thing is you guys recall the the numbers right now for joining the military are way, way, way down, especially within um, the Caucasian population. Just not joining the military anymore. This is even coming from military families whose families who were in the military for generations are telling their kids, no, I don't want you to be in this military it's corrupt. It's being run by a corrupt leader. So then they have, um, so they have a lot of people that aren't joining the military anymore. Then you had the people that refuse to take COVID, and those people, excuse me, refused to take the COVID vaccine, and those that refused to take that vaccine ended up losing their positions in the military. So what does that tell us? Was that um, just a coincidence? Was that a side effect of them not taking the vaccines, or was this even more devious? And I think that it, it gets even more devious. So what do you do? We we've, we've talked about them um, now determining that they're going to start allowing immigrants in our military um, because we don't have the manpower that we used to have. The people that rejected the vaccination were the ones that most likely think for themselves. 
They always, they, they think for themselves, they refuse to take it, even with the military putting pressure on them, even to the point where they were willing to lose their job. Well, the military and our government, this tyrannical government, can't afford to have people that think for themselves in the military because they would be given, if, they're, if they are willing to deny a vaccination, willing to lose their job over it, imagine what would happen if a superior was to tell them to go against a United States citizen for something that was unconstitutional. Those people that denied that vaccine are most likely the same people that are like, no, I refuse to go by that order because it goes against the oath that I took to our country. They had to get rid of them. This is ultimately what this is all about right here. Weakening the military, filling it with people that are most likely willing to take the orders, which is what we're going to be watching right down there at the border probably within the next couple of months, if not sooner than that. Um, next, we got a uh, Senator Ted Cruz uh, negotiating. He says negotiating with Chuck Schumer on securing the border is like putting Hannibal Lecter in charge of a go vegan ad campaign. So I'm going to play this clip for you real quick. The Biden border crisis is an absolute humanitarian disaster. And Democrats don't care. Last year, 853 migrants died crossing illegally into this country. Alejandro Mayorkas didn't even know how many had died because he didn't care. When I brought 19 senators down to the border, we saw a man who had drowned floating in the Rio Grande. Democrats don't care. Last year, thousands upon thousands of children were brutalized and sexually assaulted by human traffickers, and Democrats don't care. Last year, thousands of women were sexually assaulted by human traffickers, and Democrats do not give a damn. Last year, more than 100,000 Americans died of drug overdoses from Chinese fentanyl flooding across the southern border, and Democrats do not give a damn. Now, you may say, well, come on, that's harsh. They care. They care. Somewhere in their hearts, they care about all the people suffering and dying. Baloney. Because if they cared, they would stop it. If you cared about the children being raped at the border, you would say, no more. When Joe Biden came in, we had the lowest rate of illegal immigration in 45 years. He inherited success and he deliberately broke it. Democrats want these open borders. And this bill, this mysterious bill that is buried down in the basement of Chuck Schumer's office. All of you has a, have a living as reporters. Ask yourself, why have you not read the text of the bill? There's a reason. As bad as we think the bill is, I promise you it's worse. The people pushing this deal knew, no, if the American people knew what was in it, they would be against it. This supplemental bill is a kamikaze plane in a box canyon with no exit headed for a train wreck. If you look at this bill, the bill is not designed to fix this problem. By the way, the single greatest national security threat to America, this right here. I think the odds of a major terrorist attack in the United States are higher today than they've been any time since September 11th. You know what? In that spike, how many Hamas terrorists are there? How many Hezbollah terrorists are there? And what are we going to say when they carry out an attack here like October 7th in Israel? This bill is not designed to fix the problem. This bill normalizes 5,000 people a day coming in. 5,000 people a day is over 1.8 million a year. That's called an invasion. By the way, under Joe Biden, we've had 9.6 million. So the great Republican compromises were for two-thirds of Joe Biden's open borders. 
We'll let in six million instead of nine million. This makes utterly no sense. And there's a reason. Republican leadership is like Charlie Brown with Lucy and the football. And over and over again, they run for the football. And over and over again, Lucy Schumer pulls it away. And Republican leadership lands on their ass. They entered this negotiation saying, we will only do what Chuck Schumer will agree to. He doesn't want to fix this. He wants it to continue. So negotiating with Chuck Schumer on securing the border is like putting Hannibal Lecter in charge of a go vegan ad campaign. He's so right, man. And I know a lot of people go back and forth on Cruz, but uh, I will admit that that bearded Ted Cruz, like Ted Cruz, since he got his beard, has been pretty much on point. He has not. I think Matt said is he doesn't sway away from conservative on point. So, and everything that he's saying right here is so dead on. But I got to go back to exactly what I hope said, which is exactly what was in my head. I agree, Ted, do something. You know, I'm tired of all the talk. Because like I said, I mean, he's obviously upset about this. Since Ted Cruz, I, I was back and forth for him more years ago, but he's gotten to be more on point um, over the last couple of years. And I'm hoping that maybe he was one of those people that was being blackmailed and they've they've removed the blackmail from him. I don't know, but do something, guys. I'm tired. I love what you're saying, but talk is so cheap and it's not doing anything. Let's start bearing some fruits and let's start getting some stuff done. And uh, if it comes down to, um, you know, state seceding, so be it. Um, I think... Uh, I don't know who said it. Um, oh, yeah, it was a great Papa Steve. Biden has been wrong in his political career on everything, and he has. This guy has been so wrong about absolutely everything nonstop, and nobody should be taking this guy seriously. He's even threatening war against our own country. We've got literal Democrats and Republicans who are kind of coming together somewhat on um, the rights of Texas and what they're doing now at the border, which is astonishing, and I'm glad to hear. But then you've got the rhinos and you've got some of the other Democrats right now that are trying to literally get um, Biden to intervene and start sending feds in to start going after our own National Guard. So what happens when they start arresting National Guard? That's the thing is that we're quickly coming to that red line point where people are going to say, I've had it. You know, you obviously aren't going to do anything. You're doing the opposite of fixing the problem. So we are the ones that are going to need to fix the problem. So this is the thing is where we need to start coming together and doing something. And hopefully it doesn't come to arms. Like I said, you know, I think showing numbers down at the border would be good enough. Um, and, and there's going to be a point because they started popping into Arizona today. So they're finally figuring it out and they're, they're moving around um, and sending them into Arizona again. Because obviously they're not going to be coming in through Texas or at least the Eagle Pass. But like I said, we're getting close to that point where we're going to have to come together. Uh, men, women, whoever has the ability to do so, coming down there, showing numbers at the border. Um, no one's going to come past if they're staring at 250,000 American citizens that are armed. Even if we're not using our weapons, it's a show of force, and that goes a long way. Um, so next, uh, I mentioned last night about, uh, what's his name, or about the uh, Jeff DeWitt, Arizona. So um, this guy tried to bribe Carrie Lake um, in order to get her to drop out of the Senate race, and she refused to do so. She was like, I won't take $10 million, I won't take twenty. I won't take $30 million, I won't take a billion dollars. This isn't about the money. This is about protecting our country. And then there was another clip that I found today that I didn't play last night where she said, you will have to kill me before I drop out. So, I mean, good for her. And this is the kind of uh, 
kind of attitude that we all need to have right now. You can take my life, but you can't take my freedom kind of thing. And uh, Carrie is awesome. And like I said, she's, she's one brave woman. And uh, as much as I would love to see her on the dock, you know, or on, you know, vice president or something like that, we also need some really good senators. We need good Congress people. We need good governors. Um, we can't forget about those spots, you know, so she's going to be in a spot where hopefully she can make some change. And I hope that she does become senator, but good for her. So apparently um, Jeff DeWitt of Arizona resigned today and will not be running for future office because of this that came out. So here's my question. Um, I'm not happy with just the resignation. This guy, this is what he did is illegal. He should be held accountable and should be arrested for this. And then they need to do an even bigger and deeper investigation because I'm sure that this guy right here, it wasn't just Jeff DeWitt's idea. I can promise you somebody higher up was down there talking to him saying that you need to do this. Um, he was in cahoots with other people. They need to do an investigation and not only get into what he did and why he did this and what he was trying to do, but find out who was also in cahoots with this guy and, and was you know, basically getting him to do what he did. He also made a comment that was like, um, you know, I hope no one finds out about this because they find out that I'm out here or that we're trying that we, and he said, we are trying to bribe you. They are going to kill me. So first off, um, the, the, we that he said shows that it was more than just him. Somebody paid him exactly. Bob, just like somebody paid, uh, just like somebody paid uh, Nikki Haley, which I find it funny. Carrie Lake's willing to die. Um, before she becomes corrupt. And then you got some people like Nikki Hale who are just taking any dime that they get. So uh, something needs to be done. They need to investigate. These people need to be held accountable for what they've done. This is like I said, it's treason. It's election interference. It's a big bad club. Exactly, Matt and Hev. Um, and then uh, exactly, and Devo um, says that we should arrest 90% of the current government. And I agree with you 100%, like probably more than 90%, but it's at least 90%. It's like, exactly, exactly, uh, EK Mac, 99.9% is probably a little bit more accurate, sadly. Um, this is crazy, too. What what in the heck is going on right now? They're trying to dig themselves out of a hole. So, Rana, Rana McRomney is calling for Nikki Haley to drop out of the GOP primary race. Let me play this clip for you real quick. I wasn't expecting that today. Looking at the math and the path going forward, and I don't see it for Nikki Haley. I think she's run a great campaign. But I do think there is a message that's coming out from the voters, which is very clear. We need to unite around our eventual nominee, which is going to be Donald Trump. And we need to make sure we beat Joe Biden. It is 10 months away till the November election. And we can't wait any longer to put our foot on the gas, to beat the worst president, to beat a president that's kept our borders open, allowed fentanyl to pour through, allowed inflation to, to go rampant. He is hurting the American people, and we need to do everything we can to unite so that we can defeat him. See, I cannot stand Ronna McRomney. Can't stand her. And I can't stand the fact that I am about to say that I agreed with everything she just said. Um, she's digging herself out of a hole. This has nothing to do with the fact that she wants the right person to get in there to beat Biden. It had nothing to do with that. She's on the deep state side. She's trying to dig herself out of a hole, but she's got some good points there. What's happening right now? We, while the Biden administration is focusing on the general election, um, we are still being forced to have to focus on these primaries because Nikki won't drop out. If Nikki cared about the GOP winning this and getting the Democrats out of office and getting someone else in there, she would leave so that we could focus on what we need to focus on, which is the general election. 
But instead, what are we going to be doing until March on Super Tuesday? We're going to be twiddling our thumbs. We're going to be having to spend all this this money that we could be spending on the general election, having to deal with this idiot who has zero chance of becoming president or even beating Trump. All this is is a big old scam. Um, they're trying to buy time, hoping, hoping, which will never happen, but hoping that uh, Trump will end up being arrested. But it isn't going to happen. So it's just a big game that they're playing. Um, next, and I got it. I love Peter Ducey, man. He, he asked some pretty good questions. I'm going to play this little clip for you real quick. Calling out Cabbage Patch, man. I love when I love when Cabbage Patch squirms up there at the uh, the podium. Is election denying a joke now? What do you mean you have to say more than just make a random statement? <laughs> Why did the president say, hello, Virginia, and the real governor, Terry McCall? Hello, Virginia. And the real governor, Terry McCall. He was making a joke about Terry. He was making What's a joke? joke. He was. I mean, if you play it back, it's clearly that the president was making a joke. What's the joke? He was making a joke about McCall's previous term as governor. How are you guys going to convince people, though, uh, that this idea of denying election results is very bad if President Biden is going How out is and he? making jokes like okay. this? He did not deny. He did not deny it. He congratulated Governor Youngkin. Matter of fact, uh, when he won his election, he did it out of the gate, out of the gate, really, truly. He uh, he congratulated the governor. And not only that, we've had opportunities to work closely with the governor in, over the past couple of years. And, uh, you know, this is a president that works across the aisle. We've seen that uh, many times. And he was making a joke. No, okay, he wasn't making a joke. He was being stupid. Biden is an absolute moron. I'm glad that Peter Ducey called her out. And it's funny, Devo. Um, Devo says uh, she looks like a toilet brush. I literally call my toilet brush Jean-Pierre for that reason because it looks like a toilet brush, and she completely does. They have no problem getting up there in line. They have got no problem with hypocrisy. They are literally going to court right now for Trump because of his, quote, election denying. And then the resident of our country can get up there on stage and – say exactly what he said and then they've got you know they're playing ball for him oh no no it was just a joke i wasn't joking no one laughed it wasn't a joke um you know who the joke is the joke is biden and the joke is uh jean jean or pierre jean pierre whatever her name is man cabbage patch man i tell you man this is absolutely nuts um they've got zero problem line they will look right to you and then laugh but it was also fun watching her squirm up there at the uh, podium so next, uh, John Kirby um, admits that they're intentionally allowing illegals to cross the border. Big surprise. Does razor wire work? Does razor wire work for what? Does it work for the Border Patrol to allow them to have the access they need to be able to, uh, to better process people that are uh, trying to get across the border? I don't think so, and that's why we asked for it to be removed. So you guys are supposed to be stopping people coming. You're supposed to be, you guys are literally complaining about it. We need to do something, but the Republicans aren't playing ball. And they won't come up with a deal and it's all them. America, wake up, wake up quick. Um, next, uh, the Biden border crisis is a nationwide crisis. Um, four times deported illegal alien killed a mother and her son. This is sad. A legal immigrant from El Salvador had his bond set at $250,000 after allegedly crashing into a car while driving under the influence, killing a mother and her teenage son. ICE officials say they have deported suspect 
Jose Menavar four times prior to this incident. Toxicology reports show Menavar's blood alcohol level was three times the legal limit, and witnesses say he was driving about 100 miles per hour. If convicted this time, it will be his sixth DUI. Menavar pled guilty to a previous offense just four days before the fatal crash and was sentenced to probation and work release. Prosecutors wanted him in jail for a year. A Denver hospital system says it's on the verge of collapse due to the cost of caring for a large influx of illegal immigrants. Here in New York City, kids were unable to attend school in person while it was being used to temporarily house migrants. Republicans in Congress are now demanding answers from the TSA about migrants being able to use an app to board flights. So, like, where are we at this point? Um, what They're literally doing everything they possibly can to inconvenience Americans as much as they can while making it as convenient as they possibly can for the immigrants that are going over. So when I, when I heard that um, and I went through and I read the article about this particular guy, I thought, you know, how many times have I heard of a similar situation um, with driving under the influence in particular, not, not the other murders and rapes and all the other stuff, but in particular drinking and driving um, incidents relating and deaths or something like that. So I went through, I did an engine, uh, engine search, went through and literally came across like 60 articles all within the last couple of years of incidences involving specifically illegal immigrants that came across our border into this country that have killed kids, wives, husbands, families, or whatever in drinking and driving incidents. And then on top of that, none of them are insured. So these people are um, being held there. So these people are killing people. They're destroying people's property, zero insurance. So, I mean, how many times is the American getting screwed in the process of this? And it's, it's disgusting. And then not to mention all of the other crimes that are taking place, like I said, for murders, rape, and so forth. And it's becoming more and more and more in this country and in other countries. Matter of fact, that's the, the one big thing that you hear that you have in common with all the countries and the immigrants is how many young children, young females, and young boys are being violated by groups of people, not even just one, but by groups of people. And our country isn't not, not only they're not doing anything about this to the people, they're letting them out of jail in many cases, but they're certain and, and they keep on letting them across. Like I said, this guy was on their radar four different times across the country, not to mention the crimes he's committed in our country, and they kept on letting them go over and over and over again. So um this was interesting. This came from uh, Wall Street Silver. It says, this is an interesting confrontation. So Texas Governor Greg Abbott has a ton of public support from both Republicans and Democrats to openly defy Joe Biden and the U.S. Supreme Court. So if Joe Biden does, and this is a very good um, point that he makes here. So Joe Biden has put himself into a very big quandary. If Joe Biden does nothing, it ends up looking like another weak presidential decision and another weak president that he is. If Joe Biden sends the FBI and massive numbers of federal agents, then he looks like he is trying to open the borders and assist an illegal invasion during an election year. There is no winning this battle as far as this administration goes. They put themselves into a very crazy situation that they cannot win. Like I said, I'll read that again. If Joe Biden does nothing, he looks like a weak president. If Joe Biden does something and sends FBI or federal agents in, 
He looks like he is openly supporting the invasion of this country. Exactly that, Hev. Checkmate. They've been put into a crazy predicament. There's no getting out of this. There's no winning this. Um, so I'm curious to see how this is going. Um, like I said, but this is also where it gets dangerous. What we've discussed before is that when they start getting uh, desperate, then they start uh, doing even crazier things like pushing wars, world wars, civil wars, economy crashes, and Lord knows what else is coming in. Um, and then once again, uh, Oklahoma is standing with Texas. So that's pretty awesome. This was Governor Stitt said that Oklahoma will stand with Texas. The rebellion has begun. Um, and the question is, is who's going to be next? Because I can promise you there will be more states uh, joining in this. Matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Arkansas, maybe maybe Kentucky, Tennessee, um, like Bob said earlier, uh, there's a reason that Tennessee is the volunteer state. Tennessee's, Tennesseans will volunteer in a heartbeat to go down there and protect Texas. Um, so next, uh, so Texas is authorized um, to engage in war. So this is Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, which Texas Governor Abbott cited in the statement that he wrote today um, informing them that uh, we're, we're not going to stop it. We're going to keep on putting the razor wire. We're not going to rip our razor wire down. We are not going to abide by what you said. So it says, no state shall, without the consent of Congress, lay any duty of uh, tonnage, keep troops, or ships of war time of, or a war in time of peace. Enter into an agreement or compact with any or with another state or with a foreign power or engage in war unless actually invaded or in such imminent danger as will not admit of delay. And we are definitely at that point. We are um, actually being invaded right now. So by our, by our law, section, uh, once again, Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, we have the right to protect this, or Texas has the right to protect their state. They have their right to stop the um, invasion, which is coming across. We have the right to do that. So like I said, there may be a point where we have to go down there and stand side by side with our Texas brothers and sisters, but I know I am willing to do that. Not a second thought. I will be heading through Tennessee. I will be picking up Bob and Bob's sweet, loving dog, who will just be a driving companion because apparently all he does is like to be pet and kiss. But I'm totally down with that. I will bring my Border Collie down to herd commies. Um, so next, uh, and this is another crazy thing. Make this make sense. Okay, so a dad is raging over the probation for a California audi audiologist who stabbed son 108 times. So I'll bring you into this little thing right here. So this woman stabbed 108 times, ended up killing this, and the judge decided to give her no jail time, probation. Once again, 108 times being stabbed. And this woman ended up with probation. Now, why did she end up with probation? Well, because this woman apparently was smoking marijuana. And this marijuana put her out of her mind to where she couldn't, she couldn't keep herself from doing what she was doing. Which I find to be completely the exact opposite of any logic that I've ever heard dealing with that particular substance, marijuana. If anything else, you would smoke marijuana to keep you 
from killing somebody and stabbing them 108 times. Or smoking marijuana to make you too lazy to get off the couch so that you don't want to go out and kill someone. I, one thing that has never been associated with marijuana is the word violence. It's like, if anything, it's a passive drug. And uh, I'm like laughing because the judge literally gave her probation because this, and that's what I was, that was my first thing too, Mary All In. Um, it must have been laced with something else because like I said, it's pure marijuana is more than likely it'll make you sit down, play video games, watch TV, and eat some potato chips. Not like get up and do anything like kill somebody. Um, so it must have been laced with something, but that's insane. And is, is that still an excuse? So um, if you're if you kill somebody and you're on a drug, is that an excuse to kill somebody to be let off with probation? Absolutely not. You still killed somebody. And you made the decision to take that drug in the first place, which put you in the predicament that you got into. So I don't care um, what it was. This woman should be facing a life in jail 108 times, guys. That's not like self-defense. Like I'm trying to keep someone off me. That is like malice and hate and definitely not something that marijuana makes you do. Um Welcome to California, guys. Move out of California. All of my beautiful family and friends that are there, get out of California. Come to Kentucky. We will love you here. Um, so Tucker calls out Trudeau over um, systematic anti-Christian hate in Canada and a scathing Alberta speech. So Hunter was up there talking today in Canada and then uh, straight up called him out. Says, if you're on the side of burning churches, let me just say I don't need other fact of the case. You are on the wrong side. And uh, good for Tucker. Tucker's coming out standing up for Christians. I still don't know if I trust him or not. Still wonder half the time he's paid opposition. But nonetheless, I'm always glad to hear people saying the right things. Um, and then we'll see at some point whose side they're really on. Uh, so next, uh, Nikki Haley is helping Joe Biden by prolonging this primary. So no wonder Democrat donors like Epstein, Buddy, uh, Reed Hoffman are supporting her. She's working with Biden against Trump. But once again, Reed Hoffman um, pulled out of Nikki Haley because of the pounding that she got yesterday. Just that headline I read earlier. But listen to this right here. They, and this is on CNN. They're kind of admitting this. The general election is concerned for the Biden campaign. Yeah. Well, I will say, I mean, yes, they're turning to this. And the thing, though, with Nikki Haley saying I'm not getting out yet means the Trump campaign cannot turn to the general election. They have got to spend However long she is going to be in this race, I'm not sure people are really confident that it will be until South Carolina, her home state, which is in several weeks from now. It's a very long stretch of period. It is a real question on what donors are going to do, but it would cause the Trump campaign to still have to keep their attention and their resources on this primary race. For Nikki Haley, though, I think it's a real question of what the next few weeks are going to look like. Ralph Norman. I'll tell you what the next few weeks are going to look like. going to look very similar to the last couple of weeks. You're not going anywhere. You're going to have to cheat and get Democrats and independents to come in and vote for you. That's what the next couple of weeks are going to be like. She's not even on the next ballot. Next ballot, if I'm not mistaken, the next election is going to be uh, in Nevada. She's not even on that ballot. The next ballot she will be on is in South Carolina, which is her home state. She used to be governor at. But here's the thing. She's gotten like a handful of endorsements out of South Carolina. Trump is in the hundreds of endorsements in South Carolina. So Trump is even going to defeat her in the own state. Um, and I don't really care for all the people that are out there supporting Trump because I don't believe a lot of them. Like Lindsey Graham's one of them. He's out there. I'm going to give support to Trump. I don't trust the guy. I don't like the guy. I'm wondering what skeezy thing he, he's in the middle of doing. Um, but nonetheless, 
she's going to get destroyed in her own state. And like I said, South Carolina is one of the states that I've spent a good bit of my life in. So I've got an attachment to there. Um, next, uh, the thousands, or let me go ahead and open this up and I'll read the whole thing. So the thousands of military men and women who were fired because of the COVID tyranny were treated with total disrespect. We have recruitment challenges and it should be a priority to bring these highly trained folks back um, with full pay, rank, and an apology. Although um, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do this in a heartbeat. So um, this response was no thousands of service members were treated with disrespect and fired because of tyranny. Yet citing recruitment challenges as a reason, this should be a priority diminishes the sentiment. Um, and I agree with her. There is a complete lack of trust in the military leadership among those who were not only involuntary separated, but also who were walked away, including just shy of retirement and how many people lost their retirement because they refused to take this um, or take that vaccination. So those who fought um, from within were flagged from promotion. They um, and those who didn't want to take the shot, but were coerced um, and us family members who had been told that our community's mental and physical health is important um, to that alleged leadership. Accountability is the only answer. Every single voice of the service members who suffered because of these illegal mandates should be heard before Congress. Every single military leader who um, was informed by service members presenting them with the law and still did nothing should be investigated until we remove all of those who put their careers above the mental and physical safety of our service members and their families. So um, this is actually someone who's running for Congress says, when I am elected to Congress, I will lead the charge for accountability and the investigation into those who are violated their oath of office, therefore forfeiting their honorable status in exchange for personal advancements. Um, justice must prevail. And a lot of these people, um, I don't recognize their names, a lot of people that are running for Congress, but that's a good thing. Because a lot of these people, um, the no names are the ones that are coming out and doing what they need to and running for office because we've got to fix this problem. Like I said, we've been convinced that we need to be these upscale lawyers and these fancy degrees in order to be senators or congressmen, and we don't. We need your grocery stockers. We need your truck drivers. We need your plumbers. We need your farmers. Those are the people that we need in our Congress and our Senate right now because those are the ones who get their hands dirty every day and understand what makes this country run. Not a bunch of these other people. No more. We, we, we need to get rid of – we need to change a lot of the rules. We need to set limits of how long you can run for any of these positions, how long you can stay in there so that you can't have lifelong people that are just collecting money and, and – laundering um, throughout their entire career. Um, we need to have age limits. There's a lot of things that we need to change to make sure that we can fix the system again. And uh, we need to get rid of, uh, we need to get rid of all um, big company donors too. Like I said, no more taking money, no more taking bribes in order to do stuff. They all need to go. Um, so next, uh, Democrats are creating a civil war in America. Um, it's not about the color of your skin or even the party that you're part of. This time, um, it's between illegals and Americans. Um, it's about the sovereignty of our nation versus chaotic instability. Can you see it? Um, and they're so right here, 100%. But once again, um, this technically wouldn't end up being a civil war. This would end up being more of a revolution or a hot war of some kind. Because like I said, we're, we're not fighting citizen against citizen. This isn't brother against brother. Um I like, I think his name's Charles Payne. Yeah, Charles Payne. Um, I love this right here. This is uh, on Fox last night. Um, 
And I'll tell you, he was so on fire with this comment right here. Old Jessica Tarlov, I can't stand her. My mom cannot stand her. I, whenever she pops on the TV, I have to turn. My mom can't stand that, like, that nasally talk that she always does. But anyways, uh, they were trying to to get him, but Charles Payne came through. He held it, he held the line and then told him off. Um, listen to this. You know, Charles, you talked about uh, the issues here and how immigration here is is at the top, but it also is an economic issue and right. it crosses all boundaries. And it is a weakness for President Biden and the Democrats. Uh, Dean Phillips talks about this on the trail and he talks about how Democrats demean MAGA voters. He talked about it with me today, saying that, you know, it's just strange that they're talking about a, a group of voters like that. And, and, and I don't think it's narcissism. I think it's, you've lived in New York long enough, you know it's maybe a New York thing. Someone punches you, you punch him back harder. That's why I grew up in Harlem. Not so. as the country's at stake, right? He, won. he became president of the United States uh, with that same personality. I, I don't think that, you know, he, listen, I think it's worse with Biden calling MAGA. Biden's anger and vitriol and hatred for MAGA is far more worse than President Trump's individual battles with someone who crosses him. That is something that is really detrimental to this country, that the president of the United States despises half of the United States. President Biden, I, I said earlier today, I just wrote about a week ago, I had a segment coming up, so I, I Googled, Biden hates MAGA. Nothing but articles after articles after articles. He has expressed hatred for Who's writing those articles? It doesn't matter. Look and it's not. Because, because the bottom line is he says it. He has vitriol for them. And so does MSNBC and so does CNN and so does the New York Times. They have vitriol for half of the nation. They don't look at them like fellow Americans. And it's unfortunate. They try to paint them as racist. That all the things that they do to their fellow Americans who simply want a safe home, a safe community, for the children to have prosperity. They want the same thing, but they demean them all the time. That's why I think Phillips was so intriguing, because he went to a rally to find out for himself. And guess what? Golly, these are some pretty cool people. That's They're just like that's exactly what Jamie, Jamie Diamond said this week Davos. as well. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's smart to understand. And also you see the shift that's happening, right? You look at... at Black voters, Hispanic voters, college women, Latinos who have moved towards Trump. Yes. So it, it, it's no longer that people are in these boxes based on what what their gender is or what they look like. They they appear to want you know a safe country and they appear to want. Uh, a good economy, regardless of, of what label they have. That's completely fine. And I know that the lines have shifted dramatically. And But Joe Biden's responsible for a lot of that. You say that he's demeaned half the country. First of all, it's 74 million people that voted for Donald Trump. And he is explicit every time he talks about the MAGA movement to say that this is a subsection of the Republican Party, which is borne out in elections when you see people voting against Donald Trump. She's so full of it, man. That woman right here, oh, she's insufferable as well. She can lie right there. She knows darn well that Biden says this stuff. I mean, she, she's always there to stand up and defend him. But good for Charles Payne for pointing that out. I mean, he was on fire for that. And uh, good for him. Like I said, we, we need people that are getting fired up and, and saying this. And the comment that was underneath this I love, it said, if it looks like a duck, if it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, wait for the Biden administration to convince you it's a squirrel. That's pretty much what they do right now. Nothing but gaslighting. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Crafty Nut, she is so vile i can't even stand i'm pretty sure she's a dude she she's a she is fox's white michael a big mike that's what she is um so this right here is so hilarious and i'm so glad that i came across this today okay <laughs> you guys remember last night 
Um, I told you that all the Democrats, because Trump is so on point usually, and he did make a mistake, and he said Nikki Haley's name when he was referring to Nancy Pelosi. And the Democrats came after him with the quickness saying, see, he's not fit to be president. He can't even keep his thoughts together. One mistake. Trump, we, we look, no matter what you think about Trump, no matter how much some people may dislike the guy, um, he's pretty on point when it comes, and he's pretty cognitive when it comes to speaking. Um, so he did make that one little mistake, but this was so hilarious because this was on MSNBC today as they are literally calling Trump out for exactly what I just said. And this is Nancy Pelosi. Listen to this. Well, let me just say I'm not going to spend too much time on Donald Trump's uh, cognitive disorders. But I, what I am going to say, and I want to, in friendship, say to Chris, he tried to say that Nikki Haley did not allow the National Guard to come, but it was Nancy Pelosi. It wasn't nobody. It was Joe. It was Donald Trump. <laughs> she can't eat. Like, okay. Did you guys catch that? She literally, as she's calling out Trump's cognitive issues, he can't get his names right. She literally says, Joe, Joe, I, I mean, Trump. So she's in the midst of calling Trump out for exactly what she just did in this clip. She couldn't get the name right. She, she said Joe instead of uh, Trump. So, I just, the irony, the irony is unbelievable. These people are, are the biggest morons in the entire world. And, and like I said, I just, I don't think that could have been more sweet as to her to make the same exact mistake that she was accusing Trump of while saying he's not ready. He, he's not uh, fit to be president. Well, guess what, Nancy, you're not fit to be anything. You are fit to be retired. I don't even think you're fit to be retired. I just want you to retire. Just leave us alone. Um, so this came out, this is a uh, Joaquin Castro and then a response from Congressman Greg Cesar. Uh, so Joaquin Castro says Governor Greg Abbott is using the Texas National Guard to obstruct and create chaos at the border. If Abbott is defying yesterday's Supreme Court ruling, POTUS needs to establish sole federal control of the Texas National Guard. Congressman Greg Cesar came back and says, I agree with Joaquin Castro. If Abbott is defying yesterday's Supreme Court ruling, POTUS needs to establish sole federal control of the Texas National Guard. So uh, this came from a Patriot Voice um, and their response to that. So in case this wasn't abundantly clear, let me break this down. Sovereign states created the federal government, not the other way around. Now the federal government and even some Congress members are trying to strong arm Texas into another civil war. This is incredibly reckless and dangerous. It is now time for all red states to rally behind Texas. Nothing less than full support will do. The invasion at our border must end for the sake of saving our country. Hold the line, Texas. Hold the line. The rest of the states need to back Texas now. And I agree with that 100%. So they're literally, um, who's breaking the, the law here? Who's going against the Constitution? Well, but certainly as in Texas, they're doing what we have the right to do. And meanwhile, we got Joaquin Castro and Congressman Greg Cesar trying to say the opposite, trying to say that Biden needs to take control of Texas National Guard. This is getting beyond insane every single day. It gets worse and worse and worse and worse. That being said, I'm done talking about the news tonight. Let's get into a little bit of a conversation here about Scripture and Jesus. So um, tonight... You know, one thing that I've been thinking about and kind of reading through uh, a lot of recently are all the times that um, that Jesus came in contact with demons in Scripture, came in contact with Satan in Scripture, and the casting out of demons and the healings and so forth. So I've kind of been going through and uh, reading a bunch of different articles, different 
um, essays that were written as well as the scripture themselves, um, because this is a pretty interesting thing, especially with what we're dealing with today. So this one is, the, I titled this one, Demons, the Fever, and the Word of the King. So when we come to Luke 441, um, near the end of this message, we're going to see something that has a direct bearing on your life in uh, 2023, 2024, and how you can relate to demons and fevers and death and sin and the sovereignty of Christ over all of it. So I point this out, um, lest you be tempted to think that these 2,000 years old stories are just interesting but not really relevant to our issues today, are problems swirling in our culture that would be a big mistake because everything that Christ talked about within Scripture is very, very and quite relevant to what we're experiencing right here today. It's like history repeating itself, and Jesus knew what was going to happen and warned us what was to come. So Luke writes in verse 41, that demons are also out of many crying to Jesus, you are the son of God, but he rebuked them and he would not allow them to speak. Why? Why won't he let them talk? They just spoke one of the greatest truths in the world and said, you are the son of God. No one in this earth knows scripture better than Satan and the demons. They've been around here for a long time. They understand, they know like I said, to us, we discussed this last night, to us, our belief, our, our uh, relationship with Christ is built on a foundation of faith. But with Satan and demons, this isn't about faith. To them, it's belief. This is something that we have faith in because we haven't seen it, but they've seen it. They know, and they've been here for the entire duration of this earth, and they know everything that's ever taken place on this earth. And like I said, no one knows scripture on this earth better than Satan and demons. So the demons know that Jesus is the long-expected son of David, the kingdom-bringing, um, world-conquering, enemy-defeating Jewish Messiah. They know this. And by the end of verse 41, Luke says that precisely because um, they know this truth, that Jesus, sil that Jesus silences them. My point here is simply this. In that act of Jesus, when he silences that truth, there is a worldview that has everything to do with your life today. Um, that's where we are going but let's get there by starting at the beginning of this text. So, um, the utmost authority. His own hometown of Nazareth has just tried to throw him off a cliff, Luke 4.29. But they couldn't, because for now, Jesus is untouchable. He will decide when he is to be killed. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. And that is John 10.18. So he walks away unscathed through the crowd. And after a 20-mile journey, he comes to Capernaum, um, where Simon Peter lives, uh, which begins, which begin, or becomes significant in Luke 4.38. So, and on the Sabbath, he enters the Jewish synagogue and does the same thing that he was doing in Nazareth, he teaches. He went down to, a, um, he went out to a, a city, um, or right outside the city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And that's Luke 4, 31 through 32. In other words, he spoke as one and had the right to tell them that they ought to, be, that they ought to believe about God. We know that the focus of his teaching, because um, down in Luke 4, 43, when he leaves to go teach elsewhere, he says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. When he mentions other towns as well, he means that what he um, was teaching here, um, the good news of the kingdom of God. 
and his teaching came with authority. In other words, he claimed to have the right to tell them what they ought to believe about God and his kingdom, the way that God would rule the world and the way that the people should live under his rule. And verse 32 says, and they were astonished. So the authority of Jesus is astonishing. I mean, if he, if it doesn't astonish you, then you're not paying attention or your emotional capacities are out of whack. Listen to the way that he teaches in the first extended sermon in Luke, um, one chapter later. So he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not um, do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it was, um, because it was well built. But the one who hears and does not do them, my words, is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. This is Luke 6, 46-49. So if I spoke like that, if I said, what, um, what you do with my words determines whether um, your life will be swept away in the final judgment, you think I was a nutcase. That's, um, that's breathtaking authority. And of course, they did call him a nutcase, Mark 3.21, and worse, possessed by Beelzebul, um, Mark 3.22. So demons in the light. Um. But here in the synagogue, um, that's not the effect. The effect of Jesus' teaching here is not only going to astonish the audience, it's going to drive a demon out of the darkness and make him a witness to the truth. So the reason that I say that the effect of his teaching is because Jesus doesn't do anything, nobody does anything, to cause a demonic outburst of Luke 4.33-34, Jesus is just teaching. He is telling the good news of the kingdom. He is magnifying God as the king and the liberator, Luke 4, 18 through 19. And he's doing it with unprecedented authority. And the next thing that we hear is his loud demonic voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Um, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And that's verse 34. So verse 33 gets us ready for this outburst. So in the synagogue where this man um, who had the spirit of an unclean demon and he cried out with a loud voice, why? This is a demonic suicide. Why did he do that? Because he knows Jesus is the Holy One of God. This is not going to go well for that demon. So multiple cases in which Jesus has come through, the demons have all admitted and knew that they knew who he was. So I don't know why he made such a suicidal appearance instead of keeping his head down. But what I see and what you can see is that the teachings of Jesus with authority provokes demonic exposure and then deliverance. It was true then. It is true today. So in 2 Timothy 2, 24-26, the Apostle Paul said that if the Lord's servant teaches God truth with clarity and authority and love and patience and boldness, two things may happen. God, first, God may grant people to repent and come to a knowledge of truth, and thus they may escape with the snare of the devil who had captured them to do his will. The steady state, normal way that demons are exposed and removed is the teaching of truth and love. 
The devil is a liar and a hater. He cannot abide a heart of uh, or a community ruled by truth and by love. So those are the things that we need to do. That's why God asks us to not fear, to not embrace those negative things that the devil tries to put to our life, to embrace beauty, to embrace love, to embrace calmness. The devil can't handle this stuff. Our job right here as Christians is to, to embrace, to live within, and to spread the truth of the Holy Spirit. So absolute sovereignty. Now, at this point in Luke 4, someone might say that I'm not sure bringing demons out of the dark is safe. No, it's not safe unless Jesus is present and on your side. And remember this, too, is that Jesus is always present. He is always on our side. So fear not, like Steve says. Fear not. Um, so we have to ask Jesus before we go facing any demons, any evil, and like that's the importance of asking Jesus to be present and to stand by our side, which he always will, to bring attention to this. So if you turn away from Jesus because you want to play with um, – or if you want to play with the demonic sorcery, seances, necromancy, fortune-telling, Ouija boards, mediums, crystal balls, palm reading, witchcraft, astrology, um, and then yoga, which um, yoga is one of those weird ones that I don't understand why they throw it into that category um, if you're just exercising. But I guess if you're doing some of the incantation rites that come across with like traditional yoga, I can see that. But you may draw the demons out of the darkness, but you won't have Jesus' help. That is a dangerous place to be. We cannot do anything um, without the help of Jesus. Like I said, we, we are weak without Christ. Christ is our strength. So, um, But if you stand with Jesus, if you trust him um, and to position yourself under his authority and in his care, here's what happens. Jesus rebuked him, the demon, saying, be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word? For with authority and the power of commands, the unclean spirits, and they came out. And this is Luke 4, 35 through 36. And I've told you before, guys, if I ever come face to face with a reptilian demon, Nephilim or anything like that, I will have the name Jesus, Yahshua, Yahweh, literally on repeat. Because, like I said, it pull, you, you can pull the truth. The only thing that can pull the truth out of the demon, out of the devil, out of Satan themselves, is the word of Christ and Christ himself. But you need to have him by your side. So surely this is the main thing that Luke wants us to see, is that Jesus is absolutely sovereign over all, including demons. The people were astonished at the authority of his teaching. This is verse 32. And now they are amazed. And this is verse 36. Um, for when the teaching provokes demonic exposure, there is not only authority, but power. Authority and power to dispatch the exposed demon and to deliver the one who is in bondage. Let the last part of the verse 36 sink in and be your boldness as a follower of Jesus. With authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they came out. No demon can disobey. We got to remember this one thing too, and this is one that's it's hard for a lot of people to just to, to understand. I know you guys do, um, new Christians especially, is that the devil wouldn't be here on this earth if he wasn't created by the creator. Satan and demons are nothing but creations by the creator. They have a law that they have to abide by. They have rules that they have to abide by. There's a reason that they have to tell you what they're going to do. Those are part of the rules. The devil has rules that even he is bound by. And remember, the devil even had to go up into heaven 
and God gave him permission to go after Job. Um, and then he was rebuked um, in the name of the Lord by Michael at that point. So no demon can disobey. Why? Why do they obey? I mean, the whole point of being a demon is that you don't obey God, right? No. Demons hate God. So what's with the obedience? Well, here's the answer. God has two kinds of, um, two kinds of willing. He has a moral will, like the Ten Commandments. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Don't kill don't steal, don't lie. That's God's moral will. And demons don't give a hoot about obeying those commandments at all. They are very, um, the very meaning of a, of being a demon is to be opposed to the moral will of God and what God has asked us to do. But the other kind of divine, um, will is not the moral will, but the sovereign will. So let there be light. And there was light. Lazarus comes out and the dead man came out. Demon be silent and come out of him, and he came out. He obeyed. So, and the people were amazed and said, What is the word? Once again, verse 36, indeed. Um, that's the right question. So, the Ten Commandments are the word of God, and they don't get obedience from the demons. So, what is this word? Well, the closest that we get to the answer in that last part of verse 36, with the authority and the power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they came out. The Ten Commandments have authority. God has a right to tell us how to live, but this word of Jesus comes with the authority and the power. So we don't know how this works. We don't know what kind of power this is. Um, electromagnetic, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, radio waves, um, those, are almost, those are all mysterious enough. But Jesus Christ forms a thought in his mind. He turns it into a word, and that word creates reality which we should expect since Hebrews 1.3 says he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So once again, um, there are certain things like the, the two different kinds of will or obedience. Like I said, they don't have to follow those commandments and so forth, but they're words that are spoken. For instance, don't take the Lord's name, or excuse me, uh, for instance, uh, let there be light. And there was light. Lazarus came out and the dead man came out. Demon be silent and came out of him, and he came out and obeyed. The spoken word, those will cannot be broken. So fevers flee before him. Then Luke wants us to see that the absolute authority and the power of Jesus' word extends not only to the world of demons, but also to the world of nature. So we follow him to Simon's house in verses 38 and 39. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve. So we've got um, multiple types of rebuking right here. So not only can he rebuke demons and Satan, but he can also rebuke what happens with the nature for something like, in this case, the fever that was bared by the mother-in-law of Simon. So surely it's not a coincidence that Luke uses the same word for how Jesus spoke to the fever that he did for how Jesus spoke to the demon. Verse 35, Jesus rebuked him, referring to the demon. Verse 39, he stood over her and rebuked the fever. So in that even more graphic picture of how mysterious this power is, you might, wanna, you might argue that a demon obeys the sovereign word of Jesus because he is rational, because he is a rational creature, um, making up his mind to do so and then obeying. 
But here, Jesus is talking about a fever or rebuking a fever. So what is a rebuke? So it is telling someone that they've done something wrong and said something wrong, gone where they were not supposed to go. So Jesus says, in effect, fever, you should not be doing this. You should not be doing what you're doing. You don't belong here. Be gone. So that was what they mean by to rebuke in that case. Just like um, when Michael rebuked Satan in the name of Christ, he was basically Satan be gone from heaven in the name of God. So now the fever doesn't understand anything Jesus is saying. It has no ears, no brain, no comprehension. It has no will, and it leaves her. It obeys just like later when the wind and the water obey him, Luke 8, 25. So do we have any scientific categories at all to explain this kind of power? We don't. It falls, it falls right into that whole aspect of like faith. So this is a scientifically inexplicable sovereignty of the Son of God over all things, humans, nature, demons, etc., all nature. Um, that's what Luke wants us to see, that the sovereignty of Jesus over demons and nature. So every demon, every disease. Um, but suppose someone says, foolish as it may sound, well, those, um, or excuse me, that was a, a one-off, one demon, one fever. Um, you can't generalize this power to all situations. Well, Luke now shows that the power both over demons and over disease is not a one-off. And this is verses 40 through 41. So now when the sun was setting, all those who had any, um, who were sick with various diseases brought them to him and he laid his hands on everyone or every one of them. And he healed them. And demons also came out of many crying. You are the son of God. Even to the point, if you remember, um, the lady that was hemorrhaging or bleeding didn't even have to get a word from Christ, didn't even have to touch Christ. She touched his garment, and that was enough, all because of faith and knowing that that healing would happen because he was truly the Son of Man or the Son of God. So various diseases, many demons, when speak or, or when Jesus speaks or touches, they all go. His authority and power are absolute. No demon and no disease can stand when Jesus exerts his sovereign will, which he can do whenever he pleases, then and now. We've seen many examples throughout Old Testament of, of, of healings. Um, we've seen a lot of examples of the healing hand of Jesus Christ, even teaching his disciples and apostles how to do so in the Newer Testaments. So why Christ came once? Um, and now we have arrived at the end of verse 41, um, where we started, and we can turn to the 21st century. The second half of verse 41 says that when demons declared Jesus to be the Son of God, he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. So why didn't Jesus want the news to spread that he was the Messiah? And that kind of goes through a lot. If you guys recall, um, many of the original times, before Jesus came out and said, hey, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Son of God. There was many occasions where, where Jesus said, um, where he would heal someone, he would do some miracle, and he would be like, no, no, go tell no one of this. He would send them off and be like, don't speak of this. You know, so, so why was that? Um, so why did Jesus want the news, um, or why, excuse me, why didn't Jesus want the news um, to spread that he was the Messiah? 
Jesus is kind of the answer in Luke 9, 20 through 22, when he told his disciples not to spread this news. He says it's because the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and then be killed and then on the third day be raised. So Jesus even knew what his mission was. The common conception of the arrival of the Messiah did not include his crucifixion. So it included his supernatural military triumph over all of Israel's enemies and the establishment of the earthly kingdom. Um, that's what they expected from the Messiah, and that was what, um, and that was not going to happen for any um, or for another two thousand um, years or more. So in Luke four forty one, when Jesus blocked the spread of the misunderstanding of the kingdom of the Messiahship, he signaled a view of the world a worldview that accounts for the 21st century for our place in history and points to how demons, fevers, and death and sin and the, the sovereignty of Christ relates to us in this very day. So the mystery of the kingdom in Luke 8.10 was that the Messiah and his first coming would heal the sick and cast out demons and raise the dead and forgive sin. And in this way, he would give many signs of what um, his final, perfect, sinless, painless, deathless kingdom would be like. So after his second coming, um, the mystery was that there would, excuse me, there would be an unprecedented period of time between the inauguration of the kingdom and Christ's first coming and the consummation of the kingdom at his second coming. That's where we live. So we don't know exactly when in our when this is going to be, but I think many of us agree it'll more than likely be in our lifetime that we see the return of Christ. Um, like I said, Jesus doesn't even know that exact moment, but the signs and the prophecies are becoming more and more apparent as they're unfolding right in front of us every single day. So God's number one purpose and the first coming of the Messiah was that he die in the place of sinners so to purchase forgiveness. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's Mark 10, 24. Remember, nobody can remove Christ from this earth until Christ laid his own life down for us. So it was Christ's decision. It wasn't man's decision. It was all part of the prophecy that must have been unfolded, but it was Christ's decision as to win. So until he comes again. So here's our um, situation between the two comings of Christ. By trusting Jesus Christ, his sacrifice for sin becomes mine. It counts for me and for you. All of our sins are forgiven once um, for all. And this is, uh, this is um, Colossians uh, 2.13. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus through faith. Romans 8.1, God's just condemnation and Satan's legitimate accusation are gone. The one damning weapon which um, with which Satan and his demons could ruin you is stripped from their hands, namely the record of your unforgiven sin. That record was nailed to the cross. This is set aside, nailing it to the cross. Um, and you can find that also in Colossians uh, 2.14. So, um, which means this for our lives. We live in the period of time between the Messiah's two comings. In this period, Jesus, the risen, um, reigning son of God who upholds the universe by the word of his power, that's Hebrews 1.3, is absolutely sovereign over demons and disease, but he does not remove them in this period of time. 
that's the next phase of redemptive history after the second coming, which will be coming at some point here. I'd imagine, like I said, in our lifetime. But what does he remove? Absolutely and completely is your guilt and your condemnation and your sin, which he died for on that cross, which means that in this period in your life today, God is totally 100% for you and not against you. If you are in Christ Jesus, God will always stand by you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Romans 8.31. So, and if you say demons can, demons can be against me, disease can be against me. No, actually they aren't. Because in Christ Jesus, whatever disease and wherever demon assaults you, Jesus turns it for your good. Romans 8.28. This is the good news of the kingdom. Jesus is sovereign and he is for you. Trust in him. Be up. Be valiant um, for him until he comes to or until he calls. And like I said, we don't know when that time is, which is why it's important that we strengthen our faith more and more every single day. We repent for our sins. We try to become better people and also try to help others who are in the same situation. Like I said, we have we are all sinners. Um, anyone who tries to tell you they're not a sinner is a liar. And I'll show you a sinner. We are all sinners. We must admit that we are sinners. We are working to become better people every single day by repenting. It's like great Papa Steve says, repent daily. Get your armor ready. Get it nice and shiny. Get all those dents filled in because we are entering some crazy times. And even within the news that I told you today are just more examples of what Christ was talking about in Scripture, about the prophets that would unfold, which are happening right in front of our very eyes. We just need to do what we can. Like I said, repent get your armor ready, um, build your relationship with Christ, and then do everything you can today in this moment to help other people find that same thing because we are running out of time. We don't know when that day be that day is. God promises today. He did not promise us tomorrow, which is why we have to act today. And if God was so blessed us with another day tomorrow, we just step up and do the same thing because times are about to get very, very chaotic. But the great thing that we know about through all of this is that Christ Jesus— our leader, our, our Lord has authority over everything, including nature, including disease, including all demons. So as long as you've got Christ in your heart, Christ in your side, you fully have faith in him and you ask Christ to stand by your side whenever you're facing hardships, trials, tribulations, demons, you're going to be successful. But we are not successful in anything without Christ being by our side. So I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Um, I love doing these digs. Like I said, is um, it's amazing to me, and it, it amazes me every time how old scripture, New Testament scripture, and everything just kind of comes together, and it all makes sense. It old scripture proves new scripture. New scripture gives power to the old scripture, and then where we're heading today, like like I began this whole thing, is if you don't think that the the stories of old are relevant today. Get back in the scripture and read it, and you will see that it's exactly relevant today. And everything that we're experiencing right now, we were warned about by our Savior Christ. So everyone, it's 1159. If everybody would please bow your heads, we will get into um, some prayer, and we will get you on over to the next show. This is, no, this is the last show. Well, anyways, we will get into the prayer, and we will get you on off to bed. Heavenly Father, thank you again for another beautiful day. Thank you for all the blessings that, that you give us, dear Lord. We 
have so many blessings that sometimes we don't even have time to thank you for everything. Just the fact that we're talking and having another show, getting up another day, having another opportunity to pray is just another one of those miracles and blessings that you have given us. Dear Lord, all we have to do is open our eyes and we see the examples of you and absolutely everything on this earth. Dear Lord, we see how your hand is everything. We understand, dear Lord, that it's not you removing your hand from us. We have let you down. And just like a good parent, sometimes we have to be taught a lesson. Sometimes, dear Lord, we have to touch that pot of boiling water before we realize that mom was right. That pot of boiling water is hot. Dear Lord, we are your children. Even though we're adults, we are still your children. We are very naive. We are trying to understand the world, dear Lord, but you give us all the answers that we need. So, dear Lord, continue to give us the wisdom, the strength, the courage, the discernment, and everything that we're going to need as we go into these times. Let us unify within one another, dear Lord. Let us not divide. Let us grow closer to those that we even call our enemies as we pray, dear Lord. Let them open up their eyes, dear Lord. As you lift that veil up a little bit more and expose the truth a little bit more every single day, dear Lord, let us be there to gently turn those people around that don't know you so that they can see that truth. Dear Lord, let us have better methods, more energized methods of, of expressing our love for you, our relationship with you, our understanding of scripture to others, dear Lord, so that one day they can become your apostles, your disciples, and go around and do exactly what we're trying to do right now, building your army bigger and bigger. Father, we have let you down in so many ways. So I ask you, Lord, that you let us make this up to you on our time. This isn't the fault of our children. We even let our children down, dear Lord. So from this day forth, dear Lord, let us do everything we can to make up for what we've done. Let us stand up, become your greatest warriors. Let us walk into any battle that you ask us to go into. Let us fulfill any mission that you send us into. Let us continue to teach our children better than we were taught, dear Lord. Let them know who you are from the moment they were born until the moment that they leave this earth, dear Lord. And if we had done this all along, we wouldn't be in the predicament we are in today. But we are, dear Lord. We are in the times of Noah. So, dear Lord, let us fear not. Remove all fear. Remove all stress. Remove all anxiety from us, dear Lord. Get us as healthy as we can possibly, dear Lord. If we're going to get sick, let us be sick now so that we are healed and ready for when the big battle starts. Dear Lord, if you ask us to enter the battle, let us have no fear, dear Lord. And if we lose our lives in this battle, let us be honored to be serving you when we did lose our lives because we're going to end up in a better place anyways. Dear Lord, this is not our home. This is a temporary home. So while we are here, dear Lord, let us never falter. Let's never remove a foot or a hand or our eyes off of the kingdom. But let us also keep our feet, eyes, arms, and voices right here on this earth so that we can do your service as you use us every day, dear Lord. You don't need us, but it's an honor that you choose to use us in this great war. Dear Lord, there is no greater honor than to serve you in every way that we can. loving us enough to get us to where we are today, to be building on this relationship with you every day, to be helping others find that relationship with you the other day, dear Lord. But dear Lord, thank you for loving us in every way and being patient with us. And I ask you, Lord, that you give us the same patience with others so that we can help them find that narrow path so that they have that chance at salvation and the heavenly kingdom too. But dear Lord, thank you for the lessons you've taught us and thank you for the sacrifice that you gave so that we may be forgiven and have a chance to get into our back, back to our home. We love you with all of our hearts, dear Lord. In Jesus Christ's name and our Heavenly Father's name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to thank everyone again for 
being here for another show tomorrow night uh, episode uh, 530 of kilted christian msm liars will be joining us i always love john hopefully john will hop in his uh, jeep and, and head down here so we can do it live from kc studios that's up to you brother invitations open and we'll have a good meal for you if you do come but guys i love y'all very very much i thank you so much for all that you do um tammy um, i'm glad that you're here and i'm just thankful that you were down there with your friends and family during this time as they're going through some rough times as long as anyone like you and like i said uh and i know all of you guys know tammy i know you love tam as much as i do but um she is an amazing, amazing Christian. I'm honored and proud to know her. And like I said, just like Tammy and many others here, you guys step up in so many phenomenal, wonderful ways to help others. And it just shows um, you can see Jesus within you. I guess that's what it comes down to. You can see Christ within you because you're doing God's work. You're doing things selflessly and not selfishly. And this is what we are all here for. So I am so proud and honored to be part of your family because you guys inspire me as much as the heavenly scripture does to become a better person. I am so thankful that God took the poison out of my life and brought all of you into my life as well. Because like I said, we aren't here just to work in our own lives to build a relationship. We're help. We're here to help one another build that relationship too. Sometimes simply just by being the ear to listen to someone's problems because we all have things that we're going through. And I'm thankful that I've got all of you here that are answering God's call. Guys, I love you all very, very much. I thank you so much for watching or listening to Kilt the Christian episode 529, Demons, the Fever, and the King's Word. Once again, uh, if you go to our KC um, Kilt the Christian, uh, Conley's got a, a Patreon up. He's trying to make a little bit of a living just so he can get caught up in the bills because he's going to end up having to move out of his place soon. And we all know how finances of life catches up to you. So if you want to go give Conley a hand, like I said, he's got his Patreon link is in our Kilted Christian on Telegram website. But in the meantime, guys, I love y'all very, very much. We'll see you tomorrow night for Kilted Christian episode 530, MSM Liars Thursday. In the meantime, I leave you with this. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light What so proudly we held at the twilight's last gleaming Whose broad stripes and bright stars Fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming, and the rockets regard the bombs bursting in there gave proof through the night that our flag.
Hope you all have an absolutely beautiful night. And Jilly, if you're still here, I don't know why, but God has put it on my heart. I've been praying for you in my spare time. So I hope everything in your life is going amazing and I'm just hearing things. But nonetheless, I'm praying for you in my spare time for whatever it is that you need God to bring into your life. Um, we will all pray for you. We love you, Jilly. So as for the rest of you guys, I love you all very, very much. We will see you tomorrow evening for episode 530 of MSM Liars. And in the meantime, I'll give you another little spoiler. God wins. So fear not, stress not. Let know of all of your anxieties. You guys, we're going to be just fine. Keep on praying. Hold that line. Spread the gospel from nation to nation. We will be victorious because God has our back. But God also utilizes every single one of us. So we need to unify, not divide. Find that mission. Listen to God and follow his lead. And we're going to win this. But guys, I love you all very, very much. I will see you tomorrow evening for Kilt the Christian episode 530 with MSM Liars Thursday. In the meantime, have a beautiful evening and God bless.